the Miami Dolphins are missing their mascot. And only one man can track him down. Alrighty then. Ace Ventura, pet detective. I don't do humans. Whether he's under fire, undercover, or underwater. He's Ace Ventura, pet detective. Do not go in there. Rated PG-13. Sneak preview Saturday, January 29th. You're telling me there's a chance. This is It Happened One Year, a look back at the events, big and small, famed and forgotten from... Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, let's get right to it. Yeah. So, so Joe and I have some disagreements about what to call today's episode. I will present you with my title. <laughs> Today's episode is called Three Z's. Uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey, Tim Allen, and Michael Crichton. Because these are three people who had an amazing year in 1994 because they all had three substantial successes at the same time. That's true. But Three Z's, come on. Three Z's? It just sounds, I don't know, dumb? <gasps> Rude. It sounds oh, come great. on. All right. Great. Well, first up, we'll talk about Jim Carrey. Uh, because I think you can make the argument that no one had a better single year in movies ever than Jim Carrey in 1994. Is that overselling Jim Carrey on 94? No. I mean, it is ridiculous what Jim Carrey did in 1994. I don't know when he filmed all these movies, but they managed to put out Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber in one year. And he was the star of all of those movies. Like, and con like considering he has no great film credits before 94. Like, he was in some stuff. He had little parts in a bunch of things. but he didn't headline anything like he he was on in living color uh in the early 80s he had a, a an nbc show called uh, duck factory i think duck, duck really? factory is that true that's true it was on what like was after i don't even know it was on after cheers it lasted like one year like but it was you know that's a good credit that's a that's a real show yeah um and then he had little parts in like the deadpool and peggy sue got married like he was in some stuff but it was really in living color really he had a great great stand-up career for what it was like he wasn't a, a huge name he wasn't jerry seinfeld but he was a very reliable very popular uh, stand-up comic he did impressions and his impression act is amazing like yeah. if you can ever find video it's incredible but it just i think even he realized this wasn't gonna really take him anywhere uh he tried out for saturday Night live a bunch of times and kept getting rejected and then he did in living color yeah, but leading up to 1994, it's like all the studio heads got together and they were like, this guy might be good in dumb comedies. Let's make three of them. Yeah. Well, so Dumb and Dumber was filmed after Ace Ventura came out. So that's why his Dumb and Dumber paycheck is this big Jim Carrey style paycheck. Um, but it came out in the fall where and they still got that out within a year. Like they filmed it and got it out in a year. They cranked it out. Like that that's was amazing. Dumb and Dumber was like to capitalize on everything that was happening. Cause I want to say the mask might've been filmed before Ace Ventura or it was filmed very close together. Like they were, that was just kind of a coincidence. Uh, Ace Ventura, as I understand it was a property that was kind of bouncing around. It was a script that had, had been attached to a bunch of people and was supposed to be more of a Fletch style comedy than the complete cartoon that it actually is. And that came out early, early in the year and was this huge surprise hit, even though the reviews were terrible. And that's, that was what really launched the whole, the whole Jim Carrey uh, career, the whole escapade. Yeah. I feel like I remember him being everywhere. I was a 
an enormous Ace Ventura Pet Detective fan. I sure. swear I've seen that movie 80 times. <laughs> the movie is so great. And as a kid, like like all of it, like him talking out of his butt, like Courtney Cox is in it, like yeah. the Ray Finkel stuff, and then the slightly like weird transgender stuff, which doesn't really play in 2021. No. But, yeah. you know, I, I just, I loved that movie so much. And my parents apparently did not realize that there's like a whole like, tucking your thing component to it that's a yeah. pretty important plot point and they were like yeah this guy with his animals go for it you watch this movie now a lot, i think a lot of the plot of ace ventura doesn't get talked about anymore like it's really just catchphrases and you know him just being wacky and but the actual plot yeah there's there's some stuff that i would say probably doesn't hold up super well uh today yeah no it, it cannot be understated what a, a huge movie that was for a movie that cost like nothing it was like 10 million dollars like in you know the fact that jim carrey is headlining this movie at all clearly like they didn't think this was going to be anything but just a write-off just some dead winter film well the other part of that is that courtney cox is in it but i think they filmed it before friends came on so like she was a thing before friends like she was she you know she had done stuff but like that movie was carried both by how popular he was but then once friends came out i think it was just this whole other thing because it was yeah friends mania yeah there are really no big stars in that like sean young's in it who had a career but she wasn't a star by any stretch and then who's in like tone loke is in it like who else is in that movie movie? yeah like isn't that that's the whole cast like it's and and dan marino like that's it so i mean you know that that's the star power right there is funky cold medina and uh i listen i had loked after dark on tape so like i was a big i was a big tone loke fan amazing what was his other big song it was funky comedina and did he have a song called wild thing am i making yeah, wild thing that's right yeah. i could only get the other wild thing song yeah like, yeah that's all i could get through my head yeah yeah oh no tone loke was great that first album great i i don't have any idea of what tone loke did musically after that first that first tape the first cassette i had amazing but yeah, Ace Ventura was huge. And then I think The Mask was already in the can because The Mask comes out that summer. The Mask is an effects movie, you know, yeah. so they, there's no way they could have banged through that. That makes sense. And it was like Cameron Diaz's first main movie, too, right? Yeah. I don't think Cameron Diaz has a lot of credits before that either. So it's, it's almost the same situation where it's, it's a movie starless film, but it is more of an action, you know, more of a, a, a summer blockbuster type movie, uh, even though it's also a comedy. There was a comic book, I think, that that's based on The Mask, but not a, a, a popular, you know, yeah, that comic would make book. sense. Yeah. Do you know which of those movies grossed more? Oh, The Mask was a much bigger hit. Oh, yeah. really? I mean, but again, it has a budget. Like, that movie was a summer movie, and it had, there was real money thrown into that. Plus, they realized at this point, Jim Carrey is now this, like, budding star. Yeah. So, like, it was promoted as a big movie, and it was, I, I want to say Ace Ventura did, like, over 100 million worldwide, which for a, a little comedy is great. Yeah. And the mask did like three or three fifty. Oh, really? It was a huge, a huge movie. Yeah. Interesting. Even though I haven't seen the mask probably since it came out, I, I have no idea if that movie is still worth a damn. Yeah, I think that maybe I've seen it once. I was much I was a much bigger Ace Ventura fan. Yeah. The thing about the mask and Ace Ventura coming out like near each other at the same time is that that summer, all you knew were the Jim Carrey like catchphrases. Yeah. And I would like even forget which came from what movie, because like I think everyone was saying smoking like that was from the mask. Yeah. Smoking. I think everything else was from Ace Ventura, but like there were all these, like everyone was doing Jim Carrey impressions that summer. I feel like. Yeah. No, that was, I mean, that was sort of hit like the, the backbone of his comedy, even in Ace Ventura the same way. Like, and there's some talk of like, this was actually like 
a planned thing. Like this, these weren't just throwaway lines. Like it was the yeah. idea of like building characters out of catchphrases. And some of the stuff he says as Ace Ventura was on in Living Color. Like this wasn't a fully oh, yeah. formed character inside that script. This was like an improv heavy thing. Because even in Ace Ventura, he does like the Fire Marshal Bill laugh a little bit. Like he does other little stuff. And in Living Color happens to end the same year. Like this, this, so I assume, I don't know what the, what the filming schedule exactly was like for Living Color, but I would guess that he was filming that after he had filmed these, these movies. And the thing was that he stood out. Did you, you didn't really watch in Living Color, did you? No. You were a little young. Yeah. I remember really watching that show a lot, but like he really stood out because he's the only white guy on the show and yeah. he was such a cartoon. Like it wasn't just like tokenism. Like he really is a big part of that show. To the point that I think people remember Jim Carrey characters from that more so than some of the other actors, like David Allen Greer characters or something mm -hmm. like that. But that does happen to end at the same time and then rolls into his career. Yeah, I just I remember coverage of it at the time. Like, I just I feel like I remember him being everywhere. And then everyone was like, who is Jim Carrey? And so there was right. like they were covering in Living Color. Like, I remember that being a part of it. He got married to I don't know if he got married in 94 or 95, but he married Lauren Holly from, from um, Dumb and Dumber. From Dumber. Yeah. I think that was right. Yeah, I think that was right after that might not. Have, I don't know if it was in 94, but it was right after. Yeah. But I feel like there was all this, you know, coverage of like, who was he and where did he come from? And what is the, what's the stuff that he did? So like yeah. at that time, I remember them talking about it in Living Color a lot, but you yeah. know, watch it. But yeah, he was an immediately a huge star. And so then they really fast track Dumb and Dumber to the point that like, I don't know. I have no idea money wise what he made for the first two movies. I remember stories like that him and the director of Ace Ventura thought their careers were going to be over because this movie was just such a, a you know, it was so being silly. swept under the rug and it was so yeah. silly. And then it becomes this huge hit. But like, I think for Dumb and Dumber, he makes like $10 million. That's like it's, you know, it's those big comedy salaries where you're yeah. driving the whole movie around the, the, the actor so they can justify stuff like that. And then, and then Dumb and Dumber is a huge hit too. Um, even though that then has like Jeff Daniels is in it and has like, you know, Lauren Holly. I mean, it has some name ish people, you know? Yeah. But that comes out in the fall and they managed to really crank that movie out. Yeah. So the Jim Carrey yeah. movies of 94, yeah. are they holding up now as a group? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no one talks about his early, like it, I think they're talked about because it's such an interesting thing that they all came at the same time. Yeah. But I mean, but I don't think he doesn't even really do another movie like any of those movies really again. Like no. you can make a case of Dumb and Dumber or whatever it was, but even his other comedies aren't that ridiculous. You know, like this was a very centralized thing to that time. Yeah. What's his next most ridiculous comedy after this? Liar, Liar. Liar, Liar is a really character plot driven comedy yeah. in a lot of way, you know? Bruce Almighty? I mean, but even that is not that silly. Like, right. it's got a weight to it that these movies don't have. Yeah, I would argue those are both better comedies than everything he does in 94. Oh, for sure. And then Jim Carrey becomes a really effective comic dramatic actor, like, for a number of years. Like, it's hard to say later, like, more his more recent stuff. He's had okay performances and things, but he's not, it wasn't really trying. Like, it seemed like, yeah. like really trying to, like, get awards-worthy films. But yeah. in a very short order, he does Truman Show, uh, Man on the Moon, and then a couple years later, he does Eternal Sunshine, and like yeah. that is as great a, a dramatic run as you can come up with. Like, yeah. you know, he, uh, yeah. he was winning awards and doing a lot of great stuff. Yeah, yeah, those are all great movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you're right. I, I, and I think what makes those movies as his start so interesting is who Jim Carrey has become. Like when you watch interviews with him, like he is, he's a philosopher now. <laughs> he's yeah. like he has ideas and he is introspective and he is 
thoughtful, but like yeah. not like a regular person. Like he is no. a he's a philosopher. That's the only way I can describe it. Like he yeah. really like has gotten into some sort of I don't know if it's spirituality or what it is, but he's yeah. just he's so far from Ace Ventura and Lloyd that yeah. like even though he just did Dumb and Dumber not that yeah, long ago, not that long ago. Um, but still, like it's it's just. Like yeah. not something that you would necessarily have expected from the guy who did all those impressions and stand up. But like, but every once in a while when he has to do a real like wacky impression heavy character, like he still did the Grinch and oh, you know, yeah. he, he was still capable of these other things. His, his kick-ass character is insane. Colonel stars and stripes is his, his like captain America style character um, is just a wild character. And like, you know, it just, he made other comedy. He's a comic actor, so it makes sense, yeah. but he was also really effective when he would do these dramatic things and then, and then yeah, into recent years where he's become this like political cartoonist and he has his paintings. Yeah. And, you know, his crazy anti-Trump, you know, stuff is really, yeah. really like effective and like notable because he's Jim Carrey, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I think he, it's interesting that like you look at the early nineties and the kind of comedians around that time were very much like a Robin Williams style comedian, you know, like yeah. he was a big star and they were big movies but, but it didn't. It wasn't this complete zany nonsense that Jim Carrey sort of ushers in. Yeah. And then you've got like an Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler immediately is right there doing that same sort of stuff. And yeah. And Sandler does not change. <laughs> over no. The last twenty five years, like he's still doing those characters on Netflix. Yeah. Although I will say that his dramatic stuff is also really good when he does it. Like, right, just just doesn't do as much. Yeah, yeah. Uncut yeah. Gems was amazing, though he's right. still like a little comic in it because he's playing that like real yeah. over the top character. But like yeah. that movie is fantastic and yeah. Punch Drunk and- Love. I I love Punch Drunk. Right, love. we're gonna have to disagree hard on Punch Drunk Love. But I, I think Sandler's great in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. I, I would try it again. I think I haven't tried to watch it since 2004. Yeah. So. I mean, you have come around as a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan only in later <laughs> years. So maybe it's time to revisit uh, some of his 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 classics after Boogie Nights. That small. The, group, so. the Phantom Thread is the only real movie that's ever been made. Fight it's, me. It's such a crazy statement. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know when we would ever come back around to that conversation. Yeah. But so hopefully this comes up and we can we can get further into why the Phantom Thread the is only the real only. movie. The, the way you just the only movie you've ever seen. Yeah, no, because yeah. we saw it what not to, but we saw it once, and yeah. I was like, that was weird, but pretty good, I guess. And then we mm-hmm. saw it again, and I was like, that's the only movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's the only like everything else is garbage. This is the only movie ever. I don't even want to argue is, with it. Like, this is Paul Thomas Anderson's supposed amazing. to be like it's a, this is it. Like this yeah. is what a movie should feel like. Nothing yeah. else feels this way. It's, that's fair. I maybe someday we can I don't know there's nothing 94 wise that makes that lines up in any way like I don't Daniel Day Lewis doesn't make enough movies and we're just gonna have to do a separate podcast that is like 10 episodes about the the band (laughs) we'll do like the podcast where like every we take five minutes of that movie in chunks and we break down like an hour podcast on every five minute section yes I love that Um, the only other thing I wanted to say Jim Carrey wise was I think like you said like he had this charted career where he starts real wacky, he still does comedies, but then he does a lot of dramas, and then he becomes this other figure. And I can't think of a lot of other comedians who have that sort of progression. And the only thing that like who occurs to me is like Steve Martin, who in his early years was such a wacky, zany comedian yeah. and played these crazy characters in movies, and his stand-up was so wild. And then he becomes this like intellectual comedian where you know he he's he he authors books and he his 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 style of comedy is so different after a period of time that it's like this sort of progression. 
And I would say Jim Carrey was a bigger movie star than Steve Martin was. Steve Martin's probably a bigger star overall because his standup was so big. But I would say that's sort of the similar progression they would take. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it speaks to, in some ways, I don't know if it's true for Jim Carrey, but I was listening to another podcast, um, if you can believe that there are other podcasts, because mm. this is the one true podcast. This is the only one. Um, that they were talking about Steve Martin and how, like, his output was this zany, crazy, like, almost unstructured, like, early in his career, but that his his work and his journey to even get to that point was all about discipline. Mm. And so their point was the, regardless of what the output was, it is the discipline to learn the skills to create something that feels chaotic, but it, it is a lot of structure and discipline that gets you there. And mm. I wonder like Jim Carrey's gotta be the same thing, especially when you're an impressionist, yeah. like the discipline that it takes to, to adjust your face and like refine those tools to, to deliver something like Ace Ventura, pet detective, like, right. It's such a crazy like journey to go on that I could see both of them then wanting to be like, let's be a little bit more serious. Right. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but yeah, but it's almost like they mastered this style of something like yeah. there's no more. There was no more Jim Carreyness to have after 94. Like, yeah. And even and you look at his movies, he really wasn't like he does Batman in 95. And then he does the cable guy, which is still a wacky character, but it's a oh, much yeah. darker movie. Yeah. And then, you know, it's liar, liar. And then it's. The Truman Show, like it, it really is a very quick progression through the 90s for him. But yeah, you're right. Like nobody accidentally becomes a great stand up comedian. Like you yeah. need to put in so much time and so much work that like you can really see, you know, that this isn't something like as crazy as Steve Martin's early stand up was. It it did have a very it was like jazz. It has a real structure to it, yeah. even though it does seem just like chaos. So, yeah, yeah. very interesting. I think it's an interesting. Yeah. career. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back. Three Z's number two, Tim Allen. Oh, boy. This year, it's coming! before your tree is trimmed and your goose is cooked. Haven't you people heard about basting? Catch the nation's funniest Santa. Who's down there? In the season's biggest comedy. Freeze, fat boy. That boy? Tim Allen. Johnny, naughty. Gary, nice. Veronica, very nice. The Santa Claus. <laughs> nice teeth. Now playing at a theater near you. Check newspaper for showtimes. So, as big a year as Jim Carrey had in 1994, it was mostly limited to movies. He didn't really do much else. I think uh, In Living Color was still on at the end. Its finale was in that spring. But that was it. The interesting thing about the other two of the trifectas we're going to talk about... Crazies. Ugh, ...is that they spanned various things. So... Uh, Tim Allen, 1994. You come to the fall of 94. Home Improvement's been on now for four years, I want to say. And it was the number two show uh, of the year in the 93-94 year and was the number three show, 94-95. Big deal. Uh, and in one week in the fall, it was the number one show on television, at least one week, but in one particular week, number one show. Uh, at the same time, the Santa Claus comes out and is the number one movie in America. Ugh. And at the same time, Tim Allen has written a comedy biography, uh, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man, which is the number one nonfiction book. At the same time, Tim Allen is just conquering media. Way to go, Tim Allen. Crushing it. Nailed it. I think the amazing part of the whole Tim Allen 
popularity. Not not that he became popular. That all makes sense. I mean, Home Improvement was a big hit. It's that he has almost no film credits at all before Home Improvement. Yeah, he was doing. He was a stand-up for a long time, but it's only really in '91 when he becomes this figure. And all of that is attributed to the fact that they were just throwing sitcoms at, at comedians at this point. Yeah. That's the era for it. I mean, put him on the list of comedians who have a sitcom that is basically about their own life. Yeah. I mean, he didn't actually host a tool show, but I, I get the sense that that was his whole like comedy persona. I, I don't know anything about Tim Allen's standup. Yeah. Because uh, I was not the target audience for Tim Allen in 1994, I would say. I mean, not for his standup. Right. I did love Home Improvement and the Santa Claus is one of my very favorite movies of all time. So you've got all that. Apparently, I'm very into early 90s Tim Allen comedy, but yeah. like the whole like tool man thing, like uh, I as a what 11 year old girl, again, not the target audience. I as an 11 year, year old girl watching Jonathan Taylor Thomas was the target right. audience. I was that's, actually like a little old for him, but I think that's how that show managed to get that sort of appeal because it did have young kids on it. So that's going to bring in the kids. It's a family sitcom. Yeah. But it also has like Tim Allen's, you know, He-Man macho stuff. Pamela Anderson was on that show for a couple oh, years, right? right? As like the tool girl. Like gross. This was not her, but the whole like how they used her. Yeah. This whole show is just trying to, you know, get the get all the eyeballs on it. I mean, Tim Allen's stand up, as I recall, is was very much his like macho He-Man thing. I believe his he had a, a special before like one of the, his pre home improvement things was like men or pigs was just his thing. And, uh, you know, it's kind of all goes along with his persona. Yeah. yeah. Um, but really like you go back, Tim Allen wasn't, you know, a young comedian when home improvement yeah. starts. He was, he was like middle-aged. Yeah. So, you know, he had some years and like the, the only thing you ever hear about Tim Allen's early days besides his standup was that he went to jail for a couple of years and that's oh, it. Did he really? Yeah, he was like, it was like some, I don't know how legitimate it was. Like he went to jail for drug trafficking. Like he was found with like 600 pounds of cocaine or some crazy oh thing. The story was that, you know, like he had it on him, but it wasn't like he was a drug dealer. Like it was sort of, a, you know, yeah. a, a happenstance thing. He it was just in, really it was liked in, cocaine. It was in Kalamazoo. Oh, That's interesting. True. Yeah, he, I think he was from... I don't know if he, he wasn't from there originally, but he, I think he lived in Detroit or Michigan. for. Yeah, a while. he was from Michigan. I thought he was from Michigan. Maybe. Maybe that's true. Very into Michigan. Yeah. Because yeah. Home Improvement's set in Michigan, isn't it? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how that happened. But, but yeah, he did a couple years in like the late 70s or early 80s. I, I just remember there's like a famous picture of him with the mug shucks. He has this mustache. Mustache Tim Allen is a, nice. a rare variant of Tim Allen. Yeah. But otherwise, then he was just a stand up. And then he got popular and got this show. I don't know where the Santa Claus story comes from. Like, I don't know if that was something that was bouncing around. It's a great concept. I mean, oh, great idea. A, it's, it's a good movie, but it's a great concept for a movie. Yeah. And I don't know how long that that bounced around or if that really was built around him. But he yeah. brings so much to that. It's very much a Tim Allen movie. Yeah. Totally. Also a Christmas movie. But not like, I mean, he has kind of a macho character, but not in the same way as Home Improvement. No. Um, he's just kind of a, a jerk. But I loved that movie so much. I had a poster of the Santa Claus in my bedroom all year round. I was wow. that into it. And I remember the border of it had like the the text like on the card. You oh. know how they like magnify the card, the border of the of the yeah. I think we got it for free when we went to see it. So that's probably wow. why. But like still very into that movie. Um yeah. watch it every year at Christmas. Love yeah. it. Um watch the sequels, love them. Not gonna well, lie. It's we watched just, the second one. 
no, we we have watched the sequels. We may not watch all of them every year, but we yeah. do watch them, and they are great. Two, um, is, two is pretty good, and three is also very good. If you ask me, three has problems. But yeah, no, the first one though, I mean, even though I, I always felt like that's very much a Tim Allen character. You're right. It's not the same exact character as Home Improvement, but yeah. Tim Allen doesn't have a big range. You no. Know, like everything he does is pretty Tim Allen-y. Well, here's what I think is different about it. Like, yes, macho, like Tim Allen, Home Improvement, but he was like a family man. Whereas in the Santa Claus, he's like divorced. Like, yeah, you know, I, it's a very different, like, yeah, he's got his kid, but he's yeah. not even very good at that when the movie starts. Right. And yeah. so I think that's what like the key difference. Cause it goes against his persona as like good husband, macho guy, like, yeah. you know, good father thing that he had going on. So the one thing that I do remember, especially about the later home improvement years is that young feminist Sarah was very upset when the woman who played his wife, uh, Patricia Richardson got like a crap ton of plastic surgery at the end and it made me and she started to look really different and yeah. for some reason it enraged me because I was like women don't need to do that to be attractive and uh like I got real mad about it yeah I don't really know why now but I mean good uh, right now I would say good for her like sure. you do but, you but the younger the, you were not having it at the time I was very mad that she did that I, I don't, did I not know. notice I had no yeah. idea I didn't watch the show after a point I have no idea how home improvement ended yeah, like, yeah. You, know. you watch the end. I re- I like distinctly remember watching the last episode, and they like would show the curtain call at the end, like the last yeah. curtain call where they would come out and like whatever. I distinctly remember that. Mm. Um, or maybe she got the plastic surgery after she went off the show. I don't remember, but there was something to that um, where she made me real mad for oh. doing that, which is unreasonable. I would like to say, and oh. I apologize to Patricia Richardson. In retrospect, yeah, yeah, nice, good for you. No, I didn't. I I saw Home Improvement because my little sister watched it because she was a she's about your age, so it was like about the same gap. And you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I get it. Look, I get it. Remember, we watched that Christmas movie of his. What's that called? I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. Like this past year, and it's yeah, it's fun. I was it's like, fine. it's dumb. Yeah, but it's fun. Good. Yeah, I kind of liked. It. I don't know how he didn't have a big. He had that. I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas also ninety four. Yeah, pretty good year with that and Lion King. So it's fine. Another twosies. Does this have to go into that sad episode of, of just uh, two first? Well, I'm sure we'll find somebody else. Uh... But, but no, I didn't really watch the show and I didn't see the Santa Claus for, even though we were a big Christmas movie family, I didn't see the Santa Claus for a couple years. It's a shame. Um, but I did, for some reason, read Tim Allen's book. It, I, I think it was, I read a lot of those kind of books at that time. Just comedian, like, you know, because the books were like sort of biographical and mostly just jokes. Yeah. And so like Seinfeld put out sign language around that time. Yep. Chris Rock's Rock This was, I think, a little later, but it was that same era. And I just was really into those books. So I remember reading this book. And the only thing I can distinctly remember from that book, Tim Allen's real name is Tim Dick. Like that's his <laughs> born name. And so I remember him saying, like, growing up with the name Tim Dick, you're going to kind of try to be funny because you're yeah. going to get a lot of abuse. That's unfortunate. I just always thought that was a funny story. I was like, oh, OK. And that's but really honestly, it. like that has nothing to do with his first name. It's just his last name. It's just like, his last name. Yeah. yeah. No matter no. what, it was going to be John Dick, Jim Anything. Dick, Joe Dick. But like, I remember in the yeah. book, I remember like this bit of the book was him telling stories about like kids making fun of him, just calling him like Harry Dick. And he's like, it just wasn't even imaginative. Like it was just stupid. <laughs> and then one time he meets somebody, some woman, I think he said, who said, oh, do you have a sister? What's your sister's name? Anita. And he was like, I need a dick. That's kind of funny. So, <laughs> I always remembered that. That's the only part of the book I remember. So. Um, but that was a real popular book because Tim Allen was real popular. I love that you read Tim Allen's book. I've never heard of that book until 
we started talking about it for this episode. It was yeah. I mean, those were like those just crank them out celebrity biographies that he probably made a fortune on, and yeah, it was on bestsellers for two weeks. You know, yeah. But I had I I was so into sign language. I had that in hardcover and paperback for some reason wow. for a while. That I bet that I might still have a copy of that floating around here somewhere. Yeah. So. And it is just like 190 pages of jokes. It's nothing. Yeah, so, I'm yeah. sure. What's the deal with comedians' books? Oh, my God. It's like sort of Rodney Dangerfield does Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, it's not a great impression. And get no respect. No respect at all. <laughs> That's your Leslie Nope doing Rodney Dangerfield? Yes. And then everybody pauses. <laughs> no one laughs. Not a lot of laughs. Yeah. Great job. So uh, I don't know if Home Improvement's holding up. So yeah, we watched an episode of Last Man Standing the other day. That's not very good. No. But I feel like that is just Home Improvement, isn't it? it? Is. Like It's yes. the same thing. So uh, I don't know that that's holding up terribly well. Santa Claus holds up great. Does Nancy Davis play his wife? Am I making Nancy that Travis. up? Nancy Travis. Yeah. Oh, Nancy Davis was Ron. Ronald Davis. Reagan's wife. Right. Thank right. you. Yeah, she was an actress, but not she wasn't on Last Man Standing. No, <laughs> she would have been great on it. Honestly. I mean, it would have been weird if she was playing his wife because if Nancy Reagan was alive for any of that stretch, she would have been really up there. But really old. She might have like guessed it as like his mom. He's a conservative. It's possible. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. Maybe he could have roped her in. I don't know if she did a lot of late career acting, but she liked costumes anyway. So, yeah, no, Nancy Travis is on uh, Last Man Standing. That's right. Tim Allen, I, I don't know that this it matters. Did this jump off something for him? He was already doing home improvement and yeah. he was he would continue to do it for years to come. And then immediately he's got Toy Story. So like yeah. Tim Allen's career at this I point. I do think that you could say that the Santa Claus is arguably the start of his movie career because I oh, don't yeah. remember him doing any other movies before that. He has so, no, no. Like without the Santa Claus, you do wonder like, I mean, Toy Story is voice acting and then I don't think he did a lot of other movies. Was he in that movie Old Dogs that we saw? Am I making that up? I think that might be true with John Travolta. Yeah. Wild Hogs. Wild Hogs. Yeah. Right. Old Dogs is something different. Wild right. Hogs, I I believe one of the two movies we have ever walked out of. Yeah. I, I'm not one to leave a movie early, but we did walk out. We walked out of Wild Hogs. So to this day, I've seen the first hour of Wild Hogs and the second hour of 300. Yes. <laughs> and that's I've never- right. I've never seen all of either movie. Yes. So, yeah. 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 No, he doesn't. Ha- he had no film credits before the Santa Claus. And then he has other movies. If you take out all of the Toy Stories and Santa Claus movies, it's a pretty thin group. I mean, he did Galaxy Quest, which is great. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but that's I mean, that's the only real significant movie that he's in. Like he made a lot of garbage and a lot of just like Jungle to Jungle was around that Ooh. time. He did uh, Joe Somebody. I mean, he, he was in Zoom. Like, it's not great. It's, you know, but I think he really, you know, he leaned on doing sitcoms. He was a TV actor and, yeah. and playing Buzz Lightyear. And that just sort of worked. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I mean, that's a legitimate case that this was his first real movie. It didn't really launch a effective Tim Allen movie career. No. Um, he played Santa Claus and, uh, and the Space Ranger. And that's it. Yeah. Tim Allen, he, from this point forward, was still going to be Tim Allen. Nothing was yeah. much going to change. I don't think he ever wrote another book. Is that true? Is that his one his one literary endeavor? There's no reason to write a sequel. I mean, you write right? one book about your life and you're pretty much done. That's that's about it. Yeah. yeah. So, but when we come back, we will get uh, to the big finale of our threesies. Threesies. Gross. Uh, when we discuss Michael Crichton. Next. All right, people. Showtime. Let's move. NBC presents the number one new show on television. The one show everyone's talking about. 
Brand new bolt cutters for these cuts. The one show you must see. If you have any doubts, you must watch tonight. ER on NBC next. All right, welcome back to Three Z's, uh, oh. a, a review of people who did three fantastic things at once in 1994. In Are... I'm, I'm sure Clinton did three great things in 94. Right? Oh, come on, gross. <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> I don't mean like he had a threesome with bubbles. and That's not a thing. <laughs> so. Uh, All right. So the last person we're actually going to talk about is Michael Creighton, who had the distinction of having a number one book, mm-hmm. a number one movie and a number one TV show all in 1994. And I think he's the only person who has that distinction. I think is Ever? the real right. Like yeah, there's not a lot of authors who you could point to and say had a number one book and then produced a TV show. Like that's, it's such an yeah. odd Creighton had such an odd career in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the TV show was ER and as an MD, he had created and executive produced that, uh, that show, which was the bomb. I was very into ER launched the careers of George Clooney and some other people, but they don't matter because George Clooney. <laughs> oh boy. Who is the stuff of dreams and oh remains so. Oh my God. <laughs> no, is that I like that when you bring this up to like younger people, they just think you're insane because he's so <laughs> old now. <laughs> But your yeah. younger friends are like George Clooney, like, oh uh, yeah, George that's Clooney. like if in the nineties you had been like, you know who's really dreamy, Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> and some pants. Okay, I'm not sure it's that far. <laughs> I mean, maybe not. Is but. he's not like an old ass man yet? How I mean, old is, George Clooney's got to be what sixty? He's not sixty. He's in his fifties. What? I don't know. I have no idea how old how old George Clooney uh, is. I don't really know either. Yeah, but that was an early career, George Clooney. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was on Sisters. He was on the yeah. Facts of Life in like on, the early '80s, but he was like he was a baby. Yeah, I'm saying Clooney's sixty, calling it. All right. No, and ER out the box is a huge hit. That the amazing thing is that as a network drama, it's the number one show on television for like three of its first five years. Like it was a huge hit, and like you think about it now, it seems amazing because there's so many shows like that. Like these yeah. hospital drama is yeah. not a new thing. It wasn't particularly a new thing in '94, so. The fact that it's it it's so unimaginative. There was another show at the same time airing opposite it with the exact same premise. Yeah. Chicago Hospital Show. So it, it really was pretty remarkable that it was. But again, it, they didn't all have Clooney. They didn't all have Clooney. Yeah. And the other thing that I always found remarkable about ER growing up on the East Coast is that like NBC had must-see TV on Thursday. Yeah. So ER started at 10, which yeah. is crazy to like as a grown lady now. A show that starts at 10 o'clock, I would never watch. Yeah. In 1994, especially when like you had to like set VCRs, like there's yeah. no easy way to see that show. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But it was still like really popular. Yeah. Um, even as late as it aired. Yeah. At least on the East. You know, it's it's odd with Crichton, like Spielberg per, like co-produced ER. So I kind of yeah, feel he, like the yeah. whole ER thing comes from Jurassic Park, right? So it's interesting. The the article I was reading about it did say that they agreed or they came up with the the idea for Jurassic Park while they were discussing the screenplay that ultimately became ER. Oh, so, so there is this connection though. Yeah, yeah. totally. No, Cre- yeah, Crichton apparently wrote some script in the seventies that that's what ER turns into. Yeah, and because like Crichton has such an odd career because he was a movie director for a while. Like, I mean, he was an author first, and apparently he was a an MD before that, but not. I don't think he was a practicing doctor. I think he just has a doctorate, right? I mean, he wrote a lot of 
famous novel, like famous kind of science-based novels, but you know, thriller novels in the seventies, like the Andromeda strain, um, you know, and then, you know, wrote Jurassic park, but he also directed Westworld. He directed coma, which is a really, you know, a hospital thriller, yeah. um, the great train robbery. Like he, he was a real director of, of note. Yeah. He wasn't going to win awards, but he was directing kind of genre fair and, and, and popular stuff. So then the fact that he spins this into, you know, becoming this big time executive producer of stuff in the nineties and then parallel with, ER disclosure comes out and disclosure was a, 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 I think the book and the movie come out almost at the same time. So maybe the one feeds the success of the other, but yeah. that's his number one movie in 1994. Did you ever see disclosure? I, I I've never seen disclosure. Oh. Um, I, I do remember in 1994 or, or when the movie, maybe this happened later, but disclosure was like the sexy movie that my friends and I talked about that we like, Really? snuck to watch yeah like I, I don't know i guess there's steamy stuff in it i've still never seen it to this day oh. but i remember my some a couple of my friends have had watched it and i said my parents would totally let me watch that and they were like no they wouldn't your parents would never let you watch that and that's all i remember about disclosure no. um but it was like what everyone in what was i in sixth grade was like yeah. oh my god i saw disclosure it was like steamy <laughs> stuff did you so you never had this conversation with your parents? Can I watch disclosure? I did not. Oh. I just said that they would let me. I don't know why. Um, but I, I was like, I could totally watch that. No yeah. problem. Disclosure, I, I, I saw disclosure at the time, around that time. I was, you know, what, 14, 15? Yeah. Like I think disclosure really comes off the back of basic instinct. Like it really is a it's a Michael Douglas sexy thriller. Um, and this is like peak Demi Moore. Like this is Demi Moore when she's at right before she does striptease and it all kind of goes away. Yeah. Yeah. She's making really hot movies in this era. So like that and um, Indecent Proposal is right around the same time. Yeah. I think Disclosure is set up as this reverse sexual harassment thing in an era where they're literally not making anything that's straight sexual harassment. So it's yeah. weird that like, well, we're going to flip the script, but there's nothing defending the other side for a really yeah. long time. Yeah. So not That's great, not, right. not in the like post Anita Hill world. It really was a weird, a weird, like we're going to champion this movie for, for what it is, even though I, I don't think it was very well represented on the other side. So. No, no, certainly yeah. not. Yeah, no, I never, I never saw it, but I do. I think you're right that it's like, it took like the RBG approach to, uh, to sexual harassment and that like, let's make people mad when men are the victims. Right. Yeah, it's just, it was just everyone was like, let's go see Demi Moore naked. Yeah, I think that was basically what it was, right? I, I don't remember it being terribly good, but I was a kid and it's not the kind of movie that's geared towards 14 year olds, except for the fact that, you know, Demi Moore is so hot in this movie. And, you know, Michael Douglas in that era is pretty hot. Michael Douglas, right? Like, I mean, Basic Instinct uh, aside, he was still making a lot of sexy movies. Like he made, you know, Fatal Attractions not that far before that. And yeah. Um, that's just who that guy was, you know? Yeah. I don't think I, I, uh, I really was all that aware of Michael Douglas until I saw the American president. So no. not super like hot in that movie, I would say yeah. like romantic maybe, but not like, Ooh, like, yeah. Real into that. He was like a reasonably attractive man. Yeah. I mean, I have no frame of reference on Michael Douglas's actual attractiveness. It just seems yeah. like he was playing those roles. Like this was yeah. his, he was, if you needed a guy in a, a sexy thriller, yeah. You went to Michael Douglas. That was yeah, yeah. that was really where it was. And he just happened to match up at this time with like Sharon Stone is having a, you know, that I mean basic instinct launches Sharon Stone, but you know, she has that kind of 
post career as well. So. Wasn't he sexy man in a in a Diane Lane movie that we saw back in the day? He's the other guy in that movie, right? He's not the guy in Absolutely. Unfaithful. Yes, he's yeah. her husband, right? Yeah, he's so, her husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is actually her like cheating on Michael Douglas. Yeah, as I yeah. recall, was the plot of that movie. Who Dark. was the sexy guy in Unfaithful? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, that's down the road. So Michael yeah, Douglas yeah. is now starting to push it age older. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, Michael Douglas still getting it done. Yeah, good Mary for him. Catherine Zeta-Jones pops up and stuff. He was on that. What's that? He's on some show on Netflix. Oh yeah, uh, the old man show. What's that called? <laughs> the old man show. It's like him and another old guy. Uh, the yeah. Kaminsky method. There you go. Oh, with Alan Arkin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty good show. Yeah. So there you go. Michael yeah. Douglas still doing it. Yep. And apparently was doing it in Disclosure. So the whole thing with the Crichton record of these things was that the Disclosure book and the Disclosure movie both come out, I think, around the same time. So I don't know if this popularity of the movie fuels the success of the book or was Crichton just such a name at that point that all of his books, like Stephen King, yeah. like all of his books open, uh, come to go to first. You know, But they were both number one at some point in 1994. Right. It's the so idea that all these things happen in the same year. So yeah. ER is in the fall and both of these things happen in the fall. Yeah. There's some places that'll point to Jurassic Park as being the number one movie, but Jurassic Park came out the year before and was not for, it was in theaters a really long time. It was in theaters in 94, but it wasn't first at any point. Okay. But then Jurassic Park, I think finally gets to video in 94, doesn't it? It was, it took a long time. I, I yeah. remember for that movie to get out, but, um, but that's where the record comes in for. Crime. Got it. Okay. Um, I'm not yeah. sure we were super clear about that. Yeah. Cause you did say, like you said that the number one movie that he had was Disclosure. And then you said that the book and the movie came out at the same time, but I don't ever think we ever said that the book was number one. Oh, well, you had said that we he, had, he had a number one book. Yeah. So. But I didn't say what it was. Yeah. No, the number one book he had also disclosure. I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what the differences are. I, I think the only Crichton book I've ever read is Jurassic Park. And I read The Lost World, which he then yeah. wrote basically, I think, for them to make a movie. I, it wasn't. I don't think there was ever a plan. Are, um, are Michael Crichton books like, um, oh, who's that other author that had all the books that became movies that I read? I read who wrote The Firm? Oh, Grisham. Grisham, thank you. Yeah. Uh, are they John Grisham like in that the book is basically the same as the movie, right? Because I think in John Grisham books, like they follow it pretty closely. Yeah. Um, and I, I would assume so. Michael Crichton books are a lot like that. I think a lot of them are. I mean, I, I the think that the book. he has very cinematic styling. And I think the thing is yeah. because he was this movie director and he did do a lot of cinematic yeah. stuff, his writing tended to be that way. Like he has a lot, his writing was a lot of technical components like there was a lot of detail and even Jurassic Park is like a, a pretty dense book at times and um the fact that they spun it into that movie but it's almost the same story there's little differences that I yeah. can immediately recall but not much um yeah and things that then are, are written off for the next movie it wasn't like yeah. there was some complicated part I just remember that like Richard Attenborough's character Hammond dies in the Jurassic Park book Mm -hmm. where then he's in the lost world because he lives oh, yeah, in the yeah. first movie, but yep. then he's only in the second movie a little, little bit because in the books, he's, he's already dead. dead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so just little things. But I wonder also how often the uh, author would have a book and then the movie made of the book as number one in the same year because I would assume they must have been making the movie before the book came out, which is kind of crazy. Right. And so I would imagine that must be a pretty rare occurrence. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were, there was input on the book or maybe Crichton worked on the movie. So it was one or the other, but like, yeah. like the 2001, for an example, 2001, the book and the movie are, are, are came out at the same time because 
Kubrick and, and Arthur C. Clarke were sort of working together on that story. Yeah. And, which is weird because the book and the movie have such huge differences in that case. Yeah. But that's almost because Kubrick is doing such wild stuff in that movie where Arthur C. Clarke was trying to write a pretty straightforward story. Yeah. But yeah, the story with Disclosure, I'm not 100% on why that was the case. If it was that he sold the rights to the movie before publishing the book or if it was uh, um, yeah. but that book comes out, that book came out in January and then that movie comes out in the fall. So, so yeah, it was pretty close together. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Good job. Creighton. Yeah. And then he had a fine, you know, run ER was on for what? 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he co-wrote Twister. Another of my very favorite movies. I think we've talked about Jan Debon earlier. Yeah. Big Jan DeBont fan. And I'm telling like Michael Crichton wrote a Jan DeBont movie. Yeah, I think I'll watch that movie. Pretty, pretty good. Amazing. If we ever get around to 96, we can cover Twister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to insert my love for Twister, though, in this series. Yeah, I don't. uh, Bill Paxton is in True Lies, so we can bring that up. I don't know what Helen Hunt was doing in 94. Um, Mad about you. Was Mad about you already on in 94? I think so. Yeah, I think it was started in 92, 93. Oh, I'm. That that's not going to come up, but we could give it a shot. We'll Damn try it. to cram it in somewhere. Well, there we go. And then and then Crichton Crichton died in two thousand eight. I want to say is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's um, correct. Solid run, solid post nineteen ninety four run for Crichton. Yeah, he was yeah. doing fine. He was doing fine. Yeah. And those are the big trifectas, three Z's that we had nineteen ninety four. Just to recap, Jim Carrey had a great year. Tim Allen also a pretty great year. Did Crichton have the best year? It's hard to say. I think Jim Carrey had the best year. Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, headlining all those movies, and then he becomes this huge movie star. Yeah. Where Crichton is already well-established by 1994. Yeah. The other two had a good year amidst a number of decent years. This was just an unusually good year. But Jim Carrey's life changed in 1994. As did all of ours. Yes. Yes. Good for him. Great stuff, guys. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps it up for the uh, Three Z's episode. Three Z's episode. Well done. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. You want to do the sign-off again? Wango! Wango, wango! This has been It Happened One Year. Please take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever they allow ratings. Please follow us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow us on all relevant and irrelevant social media. See y'all!